All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone, with your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes. Oh, we're back. We are back. Missed, uh, we missed one week, Blake? Only one week. It was a long week, though. It was a very long week. Today was just a long day. We are back talking some Sparty basketball. Um, thus the name. Not a whole lot going on in the past week. One really nice signing, though, um, for Michigan State. Want to talk about this to lead off the show? Uh, six foot four, six foot five, depending on uh, what website you're looking at. Um, kid from Duncanville, Texas, out of Duncanville High School, shooting guard Matt McQuaid, uh, committed to Michigan State last week. Um, like I said, shooting guard. From what I've seen, pretty pure stroke. Um, decent release. You know my my take on uh, on high school basketball players and and whether or not they'll uh, work in uh, in the NCAA. Sometimes there's clear cut winners. Um, Jabari Parker's, uh, Joel Embiid's, guys like that. Um, are you excited about this guy, Blakey? Yes and no. It's hard to get excited about these kind of guys because, yeah, sure, you can shoot in a high school game, you can shoot in an AAU game, but what are you going to do when you're 6'3 and you've got a 6'6 defender on you all over you like white on rice that he's never seen before? So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. We saw the highlight tape right before the show. He looked like he had a really nice shot, uh, a little bit of athleticism as well, had some Mm -hmm. good passing skills. So hopefully he won't be one-dimensional, kind of like a – Shorter Kenny Kaminsky, basically. Uh, something Spartans need a little more. They, they've been loading up on shooting recently with Brian Forbes and Aaron Harris, who is going to play next year. So they're really loading up and kind of looking towards playing more small ball in the coming years. That's a good point. Um, one thing I want to point out about McQuaid um, while we're talking about excitement levels here, uh, 6'4", 175. I'm not kidding you. If you haven't seen a picture of Matt McQuaid, you have to go look it up. And I'm sure Matt is a lovely human being, but gosh darn it, he looks like he's 12 years old. He'll hit puberty in a couple of years. Like, imagine what happens, what, what's going to happen when he starts shaving. Oh, <laughs> man, he's probably going to be like seven foot two, like... He's just going to be a monster. But right now, holy cow, you talk about just chronic baby face. And I have zero room to talk whatsoever. But this kid, and I, I literally mean kid, um, he, uh, yeah, holy cow, talk about baby face. Um, but he can shoot the rock from what I've seen. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know, a 6'4 shooting guard. Decent athleticism, not much build to him. They got to get him built bigger. He's, I mean, 175 will blow away. Sounds like he's going to be a uh, 
prime candidate for the red shirt. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's uh, what Michigan State has one roster spot to f- or one recruits recruiting one, spot left. Yeah, one more scholarship okay. left. One more scholarship. Um, any idea who that might be? Who who are they looking at? Well, right now for the class of 2015, it's pretty broad right now. Some of the big recruits are going to make their announcements in November. Others are going to play the waiting game and make us wait all the way till about April. Uh, They've got about eight on their list here, according to ESPN.com, of players they've offered, ranging from five stars, power forwards, to all the way down to your five, seven point guards. So it's, it looks like for most of their recruits here, uh, they're still going for the small ball, except for one that stains out. Henry Ellenson, uh, 6'10", 230. Give me that. Give me that. Yeah, that's some pretty solid size there. He's a five-star, so... Uh, you've got Kentucky and Marquette also uh, looking at him. He's visited both those schools. Uh, one or Going to visit Kentucky on the 17th of the month, no visit scheduled for Michigan State yet. Sounds like we might be on the outside looking in on that one. I think on the 17th of October, we're just going to have to uh, – well, we can't kidnap the kid. He's 6'10". we got nothing mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I don't think we can do much to stop him. I think he's no. – he, nah, I thought about – coming up with some some scenario where we maybe hinder his visit to Kentucky but I don't think there's any stopping someone who's 6 foot 10 230 all you said 230 yeah 230 that's not real big for 610 well there's another guy on this list here Caleb Swanigan 68 275 that's some beef right there going now into the talking. Derek Nix range right that's there a big dude that's what I like to hear see that's what I, I like that's I, it concerns me that Michigan State is is focusing so much on shooting, and maybe that's I don't know. Is that the way the college basketball is going right now? Is it's just you got to have shooters? Because I I still I mean I think I say this just about every week, and I know I said it last the two weeks ago. You got to be able to work through the middle. I mean, so much of it is go in, kick out, shoot. So I don't. And especially for a program like Michigan State, who prides itself so much on rebounding, um, I I would expect some some bigger big recruits. But um, yeah, it does seem to look like they're they're focusing a lot on shooting, and maybe it's a cyclical thing. It's just the past couple of years they're looking they're looking guards, and I know um, uh, Bess and. Um, Marvin, help me. Marvin Clark. Thank you. Um, those are some big dudes too. Um, so they're not they're not completely lacking in the size category, but yeah, you don't. I mean, you don't see those those historically large the Derek Nixes, Adrian Payne's, Paul Davis, um, Goran Sutan, those type of guys. I mean, maybe Matt Costello is going to be that guy this year. We talked about that last time. He's, um, he's definitely got the potential to do it. He's just got to get a little more self-confidence. Yeah. And and same goes, obviously, for... Um, uh, Gavin Schilling. Gavin Schilling. Thank you. God, my brain is so fried <laughs> right now. You're just going to have to finish my sentences for me. Thank God we've been doing this so long. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing I want to talk about, uh, this is an article from MLive reporting on an ESPN.com article 
So nothing like just completely and totally removing ourselves from the uh, from the original source. ESPN picks Michigan State to finish fifth in the Big Ten. Um, but behind, in this order, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa. I don't think. See, I'm. F- I don't think you can put a projection on this year's Michigan State team. It's so hard to figure out. There's so many X factors, question marks. It could, it could really swing either way. I wouldn't be surprised if we were at fifth, like they say, or if we, you know, were second. I don't really see us beating out Wisconsin, but. If everybody performs to the level that they can, their potential, then yeah, I could really see us going for number two. But finishing behind Michigan, that's also another team that has a lot of question marks. Yeah, I, I mean this. There's yeah, I, I like I said, I can't I can't tell you anything about this team right now. I have to see them play. Um, I wish that I could just wildly speculate about what they're gonna do. But I don't have any, I mean, other than hoping Trice, Dawson, Valentine, Costello, and Schilling can all play nice together, I don't have a whole lot to go on because that squad really didn't play much together. And Mm -hmm. when they did, it was kind of garbage time type stuff. Um, Or they looked bad. I mean, when when those guys were in and it was just them, it was like, okay, is Payne ready to go yet, or is is Keith okay, or can can Gary play now, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know because it is such a different mentality for guys like Schilling and and um, Costello and and Trice, where they're no longer those those second stringers. They're they're it. They're the guys. So, and and that's that's really my biggest question mark is how do they respond to that? My hope is that they will rise to it and and do what they need to do, but you never know. Well, I think Trice is out of that group that is becoming a new starter would be the one that would be most prepared for it. I would agree with that. He's got the senior. He's he's. He was pretty much the sixth man on the team last year. He played a lot of minutes, especially when Appling was hurt most of the time. Trice would come in and fill in for him. So there's nothing new there. He's going to be one of the leaders of that team. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of helped the younger guys along, hopefully. And then, of course, Valentine started a lot of games last year, so that's nothing new for him. But what I'm really interested to see is how it's going to work with Costello and Schilling down low because looking back, I can't really remember a time when they were both in the game at the same time. That's true. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Izzo juggles the lineup because I have a feeling that Schilling will come off the bench to give Costello a break. So I think my ideal starting rotation, or starting five rotation, I'm still I'm thinking baseball, <laughs> Uh, by the way, who won the uh, the game tonight? The Giants. Gosh it darn it! Horrible game. Ugh. I wanted. I really like Andrew McCutcheon. I don't know mm. why. I just really like him, and uh, I hate Hunter Pence because I don't know if he still does. Uh, because I don't watch much Giants baseball. Um, but uh, the fact that he used to wear one batting glove at a time 
of Tibet Whoa. is completely and totally unacceptable <laughs> and something that I will never, ever forgive him for. So I don't know if he still does, but people don't forget, Hunter. So put another batting glove on or take the other one off. It's terrible. Anyway, starting five for Michigan State next year, in my mind, Travis Trice, Alvin Ellis, Denzel Valentine, Brandon Dawson, Matt Costello. Because Costello's going to need a break. Um, And I don't know what um, Bess or uh, Clark are going to be able to do. So hopefully... Uh, they will be able to kind of throw into that rotation. Um, and obviously if Dawson needs help, bring in, bring in Schilling. Because having two, two big dudes down there is never a bad thing. Um, what do you think? What What's your starting five? I think the only question mark would be, would you put Alvin Ellis? I like your starting lineup. The only one I might, change we'll see how far along it is would be would you put Alvin Ellis in or would you put Ryan Forbes in I think either one would go well because Forbes has a lot more experience than Ellis but at the same time Ellis has been through the program before so I don't know it's kind of hard for us to tell because we've never seen Forbes play on this team absolutely no chemistry right now so I guess we have to kind of wait wait it out through practice but Forbes was an excellent shooter uh at Cleveland State, I believe. That is correct. Yeah, so so he's got the experience, so it's not like he's just some freshman they're putting in. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went with him for the starting lineup, just to add a little bit more shooting. I don't know how good of a shooter Ellis is because never really got that many opportunities. Yeah, he didn't take many jump shots. Usually if he was, if he was attacking last year, it was going to the hole, mm-hmm. which was awesome because when he put his head down, he's got a pretty quick first step, and he is a big dude, so mm-hmm. that uh, – that's pretty good, but yeah, Forbes. He's another one, six foot three, one seventy five. Don't they feed these kids anymore? <laughs> um, so, I, it, yeah, Forbes will be. Forbes is the guy that I keep forgetting about. Um, even more so than Brandon Dawson, mostly because I assume Brandon Dawson should have graduated by now. <laughs> He's on the Aaron Kraft plan. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Well. Like I said, I, I have so much trouble speculating on people that haven't really played together much before. And really, I mean, there's not a whole lot to go on. I mean, Forbes has a, na- has a nice stat line, uh, 15.6 points a game, 3.1 boards, 1.7 assists. So that's a nice stat line. He averaged 34 minutes a game last year for Cleveland State, so that's actually huge minutes. You like to see that. Um, but I think, the, the, I mean, they've got a really, really nice core of of guards to pick from, um, from uh, Trice Ellis Valentine. I'm going to throw him in there because he, he basically is a point guard. And then, and then Forbes. I think between those four, Somebody's got to figure something out. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't like Michigan State finishing it behind Michigan. That's never no. a happy thing to see anywhere, even if it's a projection. <laughs> um, I think Wisconsin's going to be tough with Kaminsky coming back. So mm-hmm. upset about that. So upset about that. Gosh darn it. 
Um, Ohio State, Aaron Kraft. No, wait. What? He's gone. Thank God. Wow. Uh, I thought we had like four more years of him. At least. He's going to get a couple more degrees and PhD, doctorate or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's uh, – I think it's tough to call where Michigan State's going to finish because of what we just talked about. And that's also why um, – ESPN had them as uh, one of seven mystery teams across college basketball mm-hmm. uh, because Michigan State, according to this uh, MLive article, um, they're returning 43% per- of its possession minutes this year. Not starters, not whatever. That's 43% of the people who held on to the ball. That's all we got coming back. Wow. How would you like to keep track of that stat? Yeah, that can't be fun. Jeez, you gotta have a stopwatch. You gotta have eleven guys with stopwatch. Oof. No, or thank you. Just have eleven stopwatches. Yeah, that's it's exhausting. You need a lot of hands. Anyway, um, so it's I, and I think that's the best way to describe uh, Michigan State right now is is they are the men of mystery. Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's definitely a lot of talent. We know that. Um, I say it just about every week. I think Travis Trice is one of the smartest point guards in college basketball. Um, so we'll see how he progresses. And really, I would just like to see him stay healthy all year. And that would be that would be huge because last year he averaged about 22 minutes a game. Um which obviously he's going to need more unless they're running a straight-up platoon-type thing between or some kind of rotation because I know that was something Izzo was trying to implement last year but couldn't do it because of all the injuries. Um, that was something that he's talked about before. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, well, I think another question mark you have, which you would think would be the least question mark, but Brandon Dawson... What kind of a player is he going to be? Is he going to, I think what he needs, what the team needs him to do is be as much or even more of a back-to-the-basket kind of player, even though he's only 6'6", but if he's thinking about himself and his future career, he can't continue that. He's just going to get eaten alive in the NBA, and they talked a lot about him working on his 10-foot jump shot last summer, which we barely saw this or last season, so... I think they're going to really need him to just kind of stick to the post where he was most comfortable and get those putbacks and rebounds and tip-ins. You know, the awesome thing about that article that you wrote last year about Brandon Dawson, the X Factor, is I think if you change like a couple dates and a couple names, can, you can probably yeah, run it again because it's the that. same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if they need him to be a back-to-the-basket player so much. I think they just need him to be a more well-rounded player because – we know he can go back to the basket. and But like you said, because he's 6'6", I don't think that should be his role. I think it should be when it's there, take it. But he should be more of a face-up, um, have the ability to go to the hoop, but when they sag off, hit that short jumper and, and make him pay because he's got a quick first step. He can go and, you know, he's a monster of a man. Mm-hmm. So... It's tough to stop him when, once he puts his head down, but that jumper is what makes the difference, and and that's what's 
that's what's going to make that's I think if he can do that and once again I'm pretty sure this is exactly what you wrote last year if he can do that I think that will take this Michigan State team a whole lot further than they're expected to be it's like exactly what I said yeah. last year it's it's just like you you think he was going to make such a great improvement he's he's he had a whole off season where he was actually healthy for the first time so you saw he was just working on his jump shot all day, right? And then gets into the game, either doesn't take the jump shot when it's available, or he clangs it off back iron and hits backboard or whatever, and you're like, whoa. And But every once in a while, he'd surprise you and hit that from the free mm-hmm. throw line, but definitely not as often as you'd like to see. So I think that's going to be a big question mark is, are the defenses going to respect that? Because he's definitely got to – he has to hit a few jumpers early in games – for the defenses to play up on him. Otherwise, they're just going to sag back and let them come to him. Absolutely. There's no reason why they should respect his jump shot at this point. No, yeah, he want, he absolutely 100% has to earn that respect because, it, yeah, there's no reason. He kind of started to show some ability last year in the tournament, I think. When he um, came back from the injury. Yeah, when he came back, yeah, it was shortly after he came back from the injury that it was like they put a new hand on him that knew how to shoot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it. But that I think that was that was exciting to see, and I just hope that it has progressed. But I'm pretty sure we were sitting here in probably pretty close to the same seats uh, about 300 days ago and saying the exact same thing. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, however, we will do our best to guess, um, and for that reason. I'm going to pose this question first, and then I will follow it with a second question. Uh, first question: Who does Michigan State need? Who does Michigan State need to have a better year? Travis Trice or Denzel Valentine? I think it's Denzel Valentine. I think so because I see Travis Trice as kind of a game manager, and I see Denzel Valentine as a guy who can take over the game. He's got that scoring ability we saw he's aggressive he's not afraid to take chances which kind of hurt him at times got him into a lot of turnover trouble which got him in the doghouse with Izzo for several games but but now he's deservedly so right but now he's at the point where he can he can he has the experience he's ready to take it he can take it to the hole he can shoot it Trice I see is kind of a guy who's who wants to run the offense through him but not he doesn't end possessions is what I'm trying to say. He, he'll he take the occasional three-pointer, and he was actually hitting from a pretty high percentage last year at 43%, but he he's not the guy that's going to look for his own shot. He's going to make shot for uh, shots for others. So I think Valentine is the one that they're really going to need to lean on when they're in crunch time they need someone to score. He's going to be the guy that has to step up. I agree with that. I, I think Trice is going to be huge. See, that's why I think Trice is more important because everything's going to run through him. Because so much of that offense relies on his ability to decide whether, all right, I'm going to dish it or I'm going to pull up and and shoot this three. And it's a, I think it's a good situation because it's almost the reverse of Keith Appling. Uh, Appling came in, natural scorer, that's what he knew how to do, kind of grew into the point guard position almost too much 
and part of it was the wrist and the hand and, mm-hmm. and all that took away a lot of his scoring. Um, but I think it's, like I said, I think it's the reverse for Trice where he's coming in as a point guard, but they need him to score um, in order for this team to be productive because they don't have, and this is all with a big, huge, massive room size asterisks to if Brandon Dawson can become the well-rounded player that we have been hoping and praying and waiting for um, for a couple seasons now. We'll see how it goes. Um, I will say this. Their stat lines, fairly similar, except for the rebounds. Uh, Valentine averaging about eight points a game in... All right, take that back. He was averaging, uh, where'd that go? Oh, yeah, I was right. He was averaging about eight points a game, um, six rebounds, almost four assists in 30 minutes a game. Trice, like I, I think I said this earlier, around 22 minutes a game, um, seven, seven and a half points, almost two rebounds. Don't really expect many rebounds out of him. Um, and about two assists per game. And... I think the minutes number really points to that somewhat small uh, average for points and uh, assists. Because, I mean, they, he didn't play quite as much. He played a lot more down the stretch because of Appling's injuries, but he didn't really have a whole lot of consistent time um, on the floor. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do in that starting role. Um, I think he'll grow into it and and do because he, he I think I've said this before. He's got that screw you little guy gonna punch you in the mouth, doesn't care how big you are type mentality, which is awesome. Um but yeah, I think it's all gonna go through Trice, which is why I think he needs to be the man for state this year, um, more so than Valentine. And I but I do think Valentine's gotta be that number two who can score when needed. And I think, jeez, I don't know. I hope his three-point shot got better because that was scary last year. He shot, when did he shoot from three-point? I guess he shot almost 38%. But, man, I just got so scared whenever he would take three-pointers. I don't know why, but they were – some of those ones he would take were just brutal, Mm-mm. brutal, Mm-mm. brutal three-pointers. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, so my second question is, who do you think will be uh, the bigger player for Michigan State this year, Trice or Valentine? I think when it comes down to it, I I still think Valentine is going to end up being the bigger player because I think Trice is going to let the offense run through him versus him running the offense. That's the only reason why I would say that. I think he's just going to find himself as more of a complimentary player, whereas Valentine, he already likes to look for his shot, which sometimes got away from him, but but we see he has the potential to do it, and I think Trice just doesn't have the ability to take over a game like Valentine could. That's that's why I think is the big key is Valentine's going to have to take over games at times because there's no Harris to do it. There's no Appling that could do it pre-injury. There's no Payne that could do it. So he's really the only guy left that we've seen that could have the ability to take over a game, and that's why I think he's going to be the bigger player. Now that I will agree with you on, Blake Froling. Um, I think Valentine will be the guy 
um, if it's not Alvin Ellis. And I am still still saying that Alvin Ellis is going to have a heck of a year. However, as we've said, the sample size, playing time, so small, so hard to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on just the physical specimen that he is and the mentality that he has, because he wants to be good. You Watching him last year, you could tell he wanted to be – he wanted to show what he can do, and I think he did, big time, because he was the guy coming in last year where Izzo's quote was, "He's good at everything. We don't know what he's great at." So th- I think this will be the year where they figure that out. What is his role in in the offense? Um, and I, I think it'll be off the bench, um, mostly. I guess I had him in my starting five <laughs> earlier, so now I have to go mm. back on that. That's my that, okay. That that's how I can save that. I don't think he'll start. I think he should start. Okay. There we okay. go. Little, just just eating my cake and having it mm-hmm. too, baby. Um. So yeah, I, I agree with you on Valentine being the guy. I I think Michigan State needs tries to step up more though. Um. But I think because of the the physical limitations are a big part of it too. Mm-hmm. Tries being six foot. Valentine being 6'5", that's going to make a huge difference right there because Valentine can do more. He can go down in the paint. He can do things like that. Um, so that's going to change the dynamic a little bit. But, yeah, I think I think Valentine will be the man. Um, so we have exhausted our basketball talk for the week. So now it's time for what would Izzo do? Now... I don't think anybody needs to heap on the University of Michigan and Brady Hoke any more than they already have because what is going on in Ann Arbor is unreal. People are losing their minds. And quite frankly, it's beautiful mm-hmm. just to watch them squirm. Oh, it is it is magical. I mean, like just madness going on. And and yeah, it's just so fantastic to watch. Um, I'm not even gonna recap what happened with. Um, yeah, if you don't know what happened, yeah, get out from under your rock. Yeah, you. Sh- yeah, come on. Um, Brady Hoke in a lot of trouble right now. I'm shocked that he still has a job. There's a lot of money involved. You still have to pay him. Might as well. Have I understand him coach. that. Man, they're going to cut him loose anyway. Um, but what, what? how do you think Izzo handles this situation? We Obviously, Izzo not real adept to handling concussions, things like that. Um, and obviously, we're kind of talking apples and oranges here with football versus basketball mm-hmm. because there's so many extenuating circumstances yeah. in football. You're worrying about a hundred and something kids on a roster exactly. rather than 15. Mm-hmm. You've got guys up in a booth. You've got a million different trainers for a football team, whereas you have one or two for a basketball team, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So it's, uh, it is kind of difficult to, to say, but, uh, how how does how does Tom handle this? Well, I don't think we can compare it from what he would do in the game from that standpoint because there are so many different factors. But 
if it happened to him where he put a guy, a concussed player, into the game claiming he doesn't know, or I don't think he would claim that. I think he would take responsibility for what he did. I don't think he'd hide behind the fact that, oh, he didn't know, oh, nobody told me, blah, 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 oh, he said he was fine. I think Izzo would vouch for that, being the guy that he is. He's always willing to take responsibility when he does something wrong that was his fault, and I think that's the difference between him and Hoke. Hoke tries to pass the buck, pass, pass the blame to anybody else, which quite frankly doesn't make sense to me because he knows he's on the way out too. Why not own up to it and kind of take the high road, but he's clearly not doing that. So I definitely see Izzo taking full responsibility for everything. You know, that's a good point, and that's one thing that I have not thought about one bit in this whole mess of a situation. Nobody's taking responsibility for for what's going on. Nope. They're, they're willing to blame the kid, the guy oh. who was concussed. Oh, he didn't tell me he was concussed. Well, of course he didn't tell you he was concussed. He's playing, getting his first start for the University of Michigan. You think he's going to take himself out of the game? He could be missing a leg and he would have tried to hop back out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the biggest moment of that kid's life. And of course he's going to try to hop back out there. And it it's just a very, very weird situation. And yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. The The lack of accountability going on, it's just rampant in sports apparently. Nobody wants to just admit when they're wrong. It's okay to, like, people will be less mad at you in life. Just a just good life lesson here on Impact is on tonight. If you admit that you screwed up, people are okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's when you try to deflect and, you know, make up a bunch of other stuff that people get really upset because they know that you're lying to their face. Right. So uh, here's my take on the whole situation. I think, I think Izzo would own up to it. I don't think, I think if Izzo thought his player had a concussion, he would have him checked out. And like I said, obviously very different situation, blah, 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 um, things like that. So, yeah, I, I think it, it would definitely, but just speaking to the accountability of it, he's he's going to eat that one. And maybe that's because, you know what, maybe that's because Izzo's job is so much more secure versus... A guy who's been there four years hasn't really done a whole lot. Hokamania lasted nine games. Basically. And then that got pretty tired pretty quick. Um, But at the same time, you could look at it as he knows in his head pretty much that he's on the way out. Yeah. If not within a week at the end of the season. So it's kind of like the exact opposite of job security. So he knows that basically he has nothing to lose. By taking accountability for it, that's true. Yeah, I was watching his. Uh, I was watching his press conference today, and honest to God, I thought he was going to resign. Like mm. when they had all the cameras, that was. I was literally about to tweet it, and then he walked out like he had just taken a like he had taken a nap, like gotten a good night's <laughs> rest. Like he looked so <laughs> calm and like, and he just started spouting on about who are they playing this week, Rutgers. Yeah, I think I so. I think that's who they're playing. Yeah, he starts talking about Rutgers like. Anybody cares about that right mm. now, which is which is unfortunate. But one thing that I'm going to point out, and this is uh, uh, this was just something that blew my mind, and I think I'm going to write a column about it in the next couple of days because it really, really is upsetting, and and once again speaks to 
I'm going to jump back up on the soapbox for what feels like the eighth week in a row. The University of Michigan and their students, uh, what was the estimate on how many people went out to that rally yesterday? Mm. I mean, like hundreds of kids. Yeah, a couple hundred, I think. Hundreds of kids um, came out and and were on the 80s front lawn, wanted him fired, they want Hoke fired, they want all these people fired for the way that this situation has been handled. Now, I don't begrudge them one bit for that. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think the media has really blown it out of proportion. I mean, big time. The, you know, it's, especially because it's a concussion and because it's Michigan and Michigan's bad already and the million different factors are, are contributing to um, all of this insanity. But um, I don't know if you remember this story, but last year the University of Michigan had a kicker who was accused of sexual assault he was accused of rape. Um, and Michigan kind of just slid it off to the side, let mm-hmm. him keep kicking, and then what was it after he started after, doing bad? Or was it after the season? I think it was after the season. Okay, so after the season they were like, yeah, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they expelled him, I think. I don't think they let him graduate. Yeah. Um, so they uh, So they did that last year. And according to this this free press article, which is the only thing that I could find that even had to deal with some type of protest regarding that, it was described as a few dozen students marched around campus. Hmm. Impressive. Not. So, let's get this straight. If your kicker gets accused of rape and was he eventually found guilty? I th- I can't remember for sure so right. I can't speculate. I'm not going to say yes or no, but accused. Mm-hmm. Accused and and that's a serious allegation. And went through the process too. It wasn't right. just an allegation. It was yeah, he got tried and and I'm going to try to find real quick um whether or not he was convicted. Um he so he he has this happen, and there's and they slide it under the under the rug, just not gonna talk talk about it um, until after the season, and then he you know, and so now we have this situation. Brady Hoke forgets to put his headset on and listen for whether or not his players can uh, can be standing upright. And hundreds of kids come out in, in wanting to fire everybody. Now, how gross is that? I think that's just... I think they were looking for a reason... Yes. To want to fire Hoke yes. and want to get rid of Dave Brandon. And boom, this falls in their laps. Hey, this is the perfect reason why we should fire Hoke. Let's jump on this baby and ride it home until he's out of town. Blake, our brains, they're starting to link up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a big part of that. And so, uh, God, the the money over tradition sign, or the tradition, yeah, 
don't put money over tradition. That that was one of the signs that I saw in, in one of the tweets that I saw from, I think it was uh, a free press writer. Um, he said um, that kind of seemed to be the overarching theme of the whole thing was, you know, don't put money over the tradition of Michigan football. Well, the most recent tradition of Michigan football is not great. Not great, and I understand that, and I know that they have a great history of Michigan football, but why is it that this is getting priority over that type of thing? And the answer is, Brady Hoke has ceased to win football games, therefore we got to get him out. He put that kid in when his head hurt, and therefore he should go because of this. And honestly, the students are more on my level than the administrators are because if I'm an administrator, I say, yeah, they're right. Whatever it takes, let's get him out of here. We got to get him the hook now. We got to get somebody else in here, do some damage control on this season, do some damage control on the image of this program, and hopefully come out looking better than we do right now because they do not look good. No, this program is going to be down in the dumps like this for a couple of years before they can recover. Because if you think about it, this is going to hurt the recruiting pipeline too. This oh, yeah. is just killing it, not only because they haven't been playing well, but because of all the turmoil that's going on. You've got a coach who's going to put you in if you have a concussion and doesn't take the blame for anything. Do you really want to go into a program like that? Honestly, no. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's not making it out of this year. He wasn't before this all happened, but uh... – but yeah, now uh, now it's only a matter of time till till the big man is gone. Man, how quickly things change! I remember Hokamania and all the signs, and they were mm-hmm. so excited. Mm-hmm. They had a Michigan man who was going to lead them back to the promised land, and the, uh, it the, all came crashing down. I think the Michigan man thing just it just irks me. The Michigan man is just an awful, awful thing. It's, oh. it's. All right, real quick. Just we're not going to talk about this very long. Sixty seconds. What's worse, uh, the Ohio State or a Michigan man? A Michigan man, because the Ohio State—that's actually in their name. I hate when they use it, but it is in their name. The Michigan man thing, you don't go after the best coach. You go after the Michigan, the guy from Michigan, okay? You could have gotten a, a coach so much better than Brady Hoke. And I hate Michigan, and why would I want them to have a good coach, right? But if I'm looking at it from a Michigan perspective, why would you go after a guy just because he's from Michigan when you can go after the best available coach? That just boggles my mind to think that they – have a chance at getting Jim Harbaugh, ha, ha, ha. You can throw as much money as you want at him. There's no way he's leaving the 49ers to go to Michigan with the program in this state. Is that 60 seconds? That was, I was just about okay. to cut, cut you off. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the most fired up Blake Froling has ever gotten in front of me in his entire life. I was a little bit scared for a second. I thought he was going to start throwing things. That was awesome. We should. I might just come up with different ways for you to rant about Michigan every single week because that was fantastic. Um, You know what? Usually I would say the Michigan man thing bothers me more, mostly because it's usually a a self-proclaimed title 
which is just terrible. But last week I was walking through campus and I saw a kid wearing a shirt and it was all black and it had in big, huge letters across the top, the, just the word the, and then the Ohio State symbol underneath it. Oh my, okay. And I was, I was, I was just so blindly angry for a minute. That's bad. I couldn't. So that's what that's what's been sticking in my mind mm. whenever I think of the mm. Ohio State University. So that's why at this moment I'll take uh, I'll take a Michigan man over somebody the Ohio State University. What a joke! Okay, we've gotten all of our vitriol and bile out on the air now. <sighs> so I think we'll cut it off for the week. I need to go to sleep. I'm running. Let's see. I've been up for. We're going on almost 18 hours on one hour of sleep. So that's why my brain, just not great today. Mm -hmm. So hopefully next week I'll come in well-rested or at least full of caffeine or something. Mm -hmm. Just just jacked up and ready to Mm -hmm. go. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, My name is Andrew Hayes. Follow me on Twitter at isownhayes22. Blake? You are still beef rolling. As always. The man, the myth, the legend, beef rolling. Um, we'll see you back next week, I believe. Um, we're, it's This off-season stuff is kind of tricky. we got to balance the content with the stuff we think might happen. So uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tightrope that we walk. Um, but I'm sure somebody in the sports world will screw up again in the next seven days. Mm-hmm. So at least we'll have that to talk about because, good God, nobody can behave themselves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Go green. So you didn't get really fired up this week, so I figured I had to pick it up for you. Been saving that one.